And our text uh, this morning is going to be from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 30 through 40. This is what God says. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say, for time will fail me, if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, and they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. You may be seated. Why does it seem that there are so few heroes today? We have uh, plenty of uh, celebrities. A good example of this is uh, someone who died recently by the name of Zsa Zsa Gabor, uh, a woman who is famously known for being famous. She's a celebrity, but she was not a hero. Why are there so few heroes today? Back in the 1950s, John F. Kennedy authored a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. It was a collection of uh, brief biographies about some people who had served our country in the political arena. It's an inspirational a book about uh, the lives and the work of some of the greatest political heroes our country has produced, people like John Quincy Adams and Daniel Webster, Sam Houston, and Robert uh, Taft. Uh, An interesting thing about uh, this book is how different all of these people were from one another. Uh, They differed greatly in their natural abilities. They had different reasons for being in uh, politics. Some of them were liberals, some were conservative, some of them were likable, and others were really hard to get along with. But all of these people had one thing in common, and it was this one thing that they had in common that earned them the admiration and the respect of JFK and made them the subjects of his book. The one thing all of these people had in common was courage. 
the title of his book was Profiles in Courage. Courage is the one virtue that is indispensable to the making of a hero. It implies firmness of mind and will in the face of extreme difficulty or opposition. It is a virtue that is conspicuous by its absence in today's society. That is one of the reasons why we have so few heroes today, whether in the political arena or in the church. It's because so few of us have courage. Today, people are following the advice that Sam Rayburn, once the Speaker of the House, gave to his protege, Lyndon Johnson. And what Sam Rayburn said to Lyndon Johnson was this, Lyndon, if you want to get along, go along. But it doesn't take courage to go along. All of the heroes of the faith mentioned in our text this morning had courage. Like the people that JFK wrote about in his book, they were very different from one another. They differed greatly in their natural abilities. Uh, they came from different walks of life. Some of them achieved a measure of success and uh, others did not. Some of them were likable and some of them were really hard to get along with. But they all had courage. Maybe when you read a book like Profiles in Courage, or you read about the exploits of the heroes of the faith here in Hebrews 11, uh, you might think that uh, uh, these people were extraordinary people. Maybe we just don't have what it takes to be like them, to be heroes like them. Maybe the age of heroes is over. Not so, concluded JFK in his book. This is what he says at the end of his book. To be courageous, these stories make clear, requires no exceptional qualifications, no magic formula, no special combination of time place, and circumstances. It is an opportunity that sooner or later is presented to us all. You see, the age of heroes is not over because opportunities to be courageous still abound. And this is especially true for us who live by faith in Jesus Christ. It takes courage to live by faith. Christianity is not for the cowardly. Anyone who thinks that doesn't understand what Christianity is all about. Now, why does it take courage to live by faith? 
Two reasons are suggested by the examples mentioned in our text this morning. First of all, it takes courage to live by faith because of the extreme difficulties each of us must face, especially our own weaknesses. Remember that biblical faith is not just believing anything you want to believe. Biblical faith is believing and living according to the revealed word of God. And when we look at what the revealed word of God requires of us, when we consider the kind of lives that God expects us to live, it's easy to get discouraged, to throw up our hands and say, what's the use? I can't do that. That won't work. It's impossible. What we mean, of course, is that we are too weak to do what God asks of us. That what God asks of us is bound to fail because of our weaknesses. When we say it's impossible, we mean it's impossible for us. And in this, we're absolutely right. It is impossible to live by faith in our own strength. And that's why it takes courage to live by faith. It takes courage to do what God tells us to do when we know that we can't. It takes courage to do what God tells us to do when, from our limited perspective, we know it won't work. And it takes courage to attempt to do the impossible just because God says so. But that's exactly what the people mentioned in our text did. The Israelites did not overcome Jericho because of their own strength, but because of God's. Gideon didn't overcome the Midianites because of his own strength, but because of God's. And David didn't overcome Goliath because of his own strength, but because of God's. These people did what God told them to do in spite of the fact that they knew they couldn't. They did what God told them to do, even when from their limited perspective, they knew it wouldn't work. They attempted the impossible just because God said so. But it was precisely when they acted in spite of their weaknesses that God supplied his strength and the impossible became possible. A young boy who had been taken to the ballet for the first time asked his mother afterwards, why don't they just get taller dancers instead of making them dance on their toes? And we might ask, why doesn't God get 
stronger people to do what he asks instead of us who are so weak. But it has always been God's way to accomplish his purposes through the weak people of this world. And just as the beauty of the ballet would not be enhanced but rather diminished by using people who were merely taller, so the beauty of God's purposes would not be enhanced but diminished by using people who were merely stronger. This should be a great encouragement to us because it means that our weaknesses, and we all know that we have them, it means that our weaknesses are not a hindrance to serving God and to pleasing God. In fact, they can be a great advantage if we will simply be courageous and do what God tells us to do even when we know we can't because that is precisely when God supplies his strength and the impossible becomes possible. All of the people mentioned in our text this morning had serious weaknesses. Just uh, look at, at, at verse, uh, verses uh, 31 and 32. For example, Rahab was a prostitute, uh, Gideon was timid, uh, Barak was indecisive, Samson was frivolous, Jephthah was rash, David was sensuous, and Samuel was careless. They had serious weaknesses in their lives, but they had the courage to do what God told them to do. And that's when God supplied his strength in their lives and the impossible became possible. The same thing is true in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, Paul talks about all of the difficulties of his ministry. And he asks the question, he said, who is equal to such a task? And then he answers his own question. He says, but our competence comes from God. Have you ever thought that maybe your weaknesses were a hindrance to serving God? Not so. They can be a great advantage if you will have the courage to go ahead and do what God tells you to do. Because that is precisely when God supplies his strength and the impossible becomes possible. That is the first reason it takes courage to live by faith. It takes courage to live by faith because of the extreme difficulties we must face, especially our own weaknesses. The second reason that it takes courage to live by faith is because of the opposition that we must face. Sometimes we forget uh, that there are two kinds of people in this world. 
There are those who live by faith and there are those who don't. There are those who live according to the revealed word of God and there are those who don't. And these two different kinds of people are going in totally opposite directions. And so we shouldn't be surprised when they bump into each other. And besides that, there's the inbuilt hostility that exists between these two kinds of people. In Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve had fallen, God said to the devil, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Jesus said the same thing to his disciples in Genesis, uh, or excuse me, in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. He said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul warned a young pastor by the name of Timothy that if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. It takes courage to live by faith because of the opposition that we must face. The heroes of the faith mentioned in our text this morning experience this. Look back again in verses 35 through 38. Uh, it says, uh, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were tempted and they were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Surely these verses testify to the degeneracy of the human race into the likeness of the devil. They hated those who walked by faith so much that it wasn't sufficient just to put them to death. They wanted to maximize their pain, so they tortured them to death. And we know from Fox's book of martyrs that the world's attitude towards those who live by faith has not changed over the years. Nero took Christians and uh, covered them in tar and then lit them as human torches. He wrapped others of them in, in animal skins and then tossed them to the wild animals who were starving to death so that they would be torn to pieces and, and eaten alive. In the fifth century, a young monk by the name of Telemachus, who was sickened by the practice uh, of having gladiators fight to the death just for the entertainment of the Roman crowds. He jumped in uh, to the arena at one point and he cried out, in the name of Christ, forbear. And then 
the mob jumped into the arena with him and literally tore him apart. In the 5th and the 16th centuries, a number of the reformers were put to death either by burning at the stake or having their heads cut off or being quartered simply because they taught that salvation was by grace alone. And they were opposed by those who did not walk by faith. It takes courage to walk by faith because of the opposition that we must face. And don't think that the world's attitude towards Christians has changed in modern days either. By the way, as I'm saying this, I do not mean to convey that we should be antagonistic towards the world. We are called to love the world in the sense of wanting to reach them with the same good news that we have received of the salvation that we can have and the forgiveness of sins that we can have in Jesus Christ. We are not supposed to be antagonistic towards the world, but let's not overlook the fact and let's not be surprised by the fact that the world is antagonistic towards us. It is hostile towards us. And so we must be prepared for that. And we must have courage to face that kind of opposition. In the 20th century alone, there were more martyrs for the Christian faith than in all the other centuries leading up to that century. And if you think the world's attitude towards those who live by faith has changed, just try taking a public stand today against abortion or alternative lifestyles or materialism or relativism. Perhaps one of the greatest uh, condemnations of the present day church is the fact that the world seems to be so comfortable with us. Could it be that we are following the world instead of living by faith? Could it be that without even thinking about it, we are following the advice that Sam Rayburn gave to a young Lyndon Johnson? Lyndon, you've got to go along to get along. I was thinking about this this last Sunday, because there was an article in the paper in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and uh, one of our local evangelical pastors, a man who I personally know well, was quoted in the paper as saying this, who is supposed to work on the human heart? Not government, not educators, so, so far, so good. Then he goes on to say, it should be the mosques and the temples and the churches. Now that is a very politically correct thing to say today. To me, that is an example of going along to get along. 
But it's not what the Word of God says. It's not living by faith. We can get along by going along. That's the easy thing to do. But to live by faith requires courage. Because when we live by faith, we must face opposition. You know, it's inspiring and thrilling uh, to read about the things that uh, the heroes of the past did and said. I mean, which of us, uh, you know, and whether it was in the political arena or in the church, which of us as Americans would uh, not thrill to the words of a Patrick Henry when he said, give me liberty or give me death? That's courage. And which of us as Christians uh, don't thrill at the words of Polycarp, a Christian from the second century, who was burned at the stake because he refused to deny Jesus Christ. He said, 80 and 6 years I have served him, and he has never done me wrong. How then shall I blaspheme my king who saved me? That's courage. Were, were these people from the past so different from us? Were they just naturally stronger and braver than we are today? Were they extraordinary people? No, not at all. It's just that they took the opportunity that presented itself to demonstrate courage to demonstrate firmness of mind and will in the face of extreme difficulty and opposition. It's not easy to be a hero. It's costly. But think about this. People admire courage, whether they're for you or against you. JFK would not have been on the same side politically of some of the people that he wrote about. But their courage, the firmness of mind and will that they demonstrated in the face of extreme difficulty and opposition earned them his admiration and respect. Today, we still have the opportunity to demonstrate courage. Opportunities to demonstrate courage abound for us, especially for us who are living by faith in Jesus Christ, who are living by the revealed word of God. So in this year and the years ahead, let's strive to live like heroes. Let us strive to live courageously and give our children and future generations real heroes to look up to and not just celebrities. Let's bow our head.
hearts in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we think of each year as another opportunity to renew our resolve to do one thing or another. Father, there is nothing more important than we can resolve to do than to commit ourselves to living by faith, to living according to your revealed word, to living in faithfulness to Jesus Christ, who lived for us and who died for us and who still lives for us and intercedes for us in heaven above with you. Father, we know from your revealed word that we are too weak to do this. Father, we cannot accomplish the things that you would like for us to accomplish, but Father, give us the courage to do what you tell us to do in spite of our weaknesses. And let us depend not on our strength, but on your strength, so that you might be glorified in everything that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.